Fury, Episode 9. This is Chris here with Charles, and everybody should have a mother like Loreen. Today's case is going to cover the murders of Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman. Laura Jaylene Bible was born to Loreen and Jay Bible, April 18, 1983. And Ashley Renee Freeman was born to Kathy and Danny Freeman, December 29, 1983, in Welsh, Oklahoma. The two girls were best friends. Laura was a Blue Jacket high school cheerleader, and Ashley showed livestock and was on the girls' basketball team. The girls were best friends since the time they were little, so when Ashley's 16th birthday rolled around, she wanted to share it with her bestie, Laura. The two girls had spent the late morning tending to Ashley's animals and kind of just wandering around. The last months and year had been tough on the Freemans, with the murder of their son Shane weighing heavily on them. But today was Ashley's 16th birthday, a day to be happy and celebrate, a day for Ashley to get ready for her driver's test and to think about her livestock making it all the way to the Tulsa State Fair. This sounds very Oklahoma-esque. Yes. They're they're looking at animals, and uh, I mean, I think Oklahoma's like one of the most religious places in the United States. Is it? I I don't know. That's that's what I, I feel like that's uh, a fact. That's cool. I actually... I I don't know if that's really true, though, but... It could be. I mean, good for them. And uh, yeah, okay. I can't really think about Oklahoma without thinking about the musical Oklahoma because we did it when I was in high school and the song just plays through my head. I'm I'm okay with knowing that I've never seen that musical <laughs> and that I don't know the song. It's okay. I'll have to play it for you one time. Someday. You'll be like, I wish I'd not heard that. Anyway, Kathy, Kathy Ashley, and Laura stopped at Laura's house to ask her dad if it was okay for Laura to spend the night at Ashley's. Her dad gave her permission, and off she drove, saying, I love you, Dad. It's very sweet. Those would be the last words her father would ever hear her say to him. The women went to the Pizza Hut for dinner, because that's where you go, and then to Walmart afterwards, where they met up with Ashley's boyfriend, Jeremy Hurst. Jeremy had bought Ashley a birthday present, which he gave to her at the Walmart, a silver chain with a heart pendant that had her birthstone embedded in it. This is like a redneck written all over it. I think we got it's, the Walmart, sweet. the Pizza Hut. Teenage love. Yeah. It's cute. Livestock. Sure, why not? Kathy had planned to take Ashley to her driver's test the next day to put a sort of a crown jewel in the teen's milestone birthday. After the Walmart stop uh, and stopping to pick up some water from Kathy's mom's house, because um, their trailer had no running water, the group all celebrated Ashley's birthday at the Freeman's trailer in Venita, Oklahoma. Jeremy said he left around 930 However, some of Ashley's relatives who had stopped by said he left at 10.30. Either way, no one really knows what happened between the time Jeremy left and the next morning. On the night of December 30th, 1999, a fire tore through the Freeman's trailer. A neighbor, Jack Bell, spotted the flames on his way to work, stopped at the nearest house, the home of Wade and Kim Sherrick, and told the Sherricks that the Freeman's house was burning. At 5.50 a.m., Kim called 911. The Sherricks gently pulled their young boys out of bed, piled in their truck, and headed to the Freemans. But the Freemans' territorial Roddy, little Rottweiler, wouldn't let them out of the truck, barking and jumping at the doors. So they just sat there watching helplessly. I mean, but good on them. They went to try to go check it out and figure out things and help. They're good neighbors. As the Freemans' trailer became completely engulfed in flames, the volunteer fire department arrived at 6.10 a.m. That's fast for, like, Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well... No, really? 20, 20 minutes? 20 minutes, yeah. It's probably like 400 miles... No, it's it probably like 20 miles away, and the volunteer firemen are like... They probably were volunteers. 20 miles away yeah. from the firehouse. Like, that's, uh, that's pretty quick. 
Not for fire. No, unfortunately, 20 minutes is way too long. That was really just the start of what would turn out to be a 20-year-long saga that was about to unfold. So hang on. When the fire was extinguished, only two of the four people who were in the house that night would be found. And they were both shot to death before the fire was set ablaze. But what happened to Laura and Ashley? Bodies that were found, the first one was found at 7.30 a.m., so not quite two hours after the fire had been called in. You know, if they had running water, maybe the fire wouldn't have happened. Maybe. It doesn't work like that, does it? I don't think so. Because they were shot before the fire, so I think the fire was set intentionally. Sheriff Vaughn told his folks to call the medical examiner and then to call Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, OSBI. The Freemans and the sheriff's office, uh, they had a bit of a history and not a good one. That coupled with Danny Freeman's famed temper fueled rumors almost immediately. Around 9.15, Laureen and Jay arrived at the Freemans. Other locals were already there. People offered to help, but but all Laureen could think of was, I have to find my daughter, because that's exactly what she should be thinking. And the rumors, the rumors just went flying. The first rumor to spread was that Danny had lost his nugget. What? Is yep. that, what does it mean he lost a nugget? He lost his temper. Oh, why didn't you just say that? Because uh, I always say, like, I'm going to lose my nugget because I'm getting so mad. Instead okay. of cursing, it's I think okay. we should say that over. Okay. The rumors. Oh, the rumors. Rumors spread like wildfire, <laughs> like a tornado tearing through the Oklahoma countryside. And and that Danny had lost his shit and burned the house down with Kathy in it and abducted the girls. Absconded. I don't, whatever. It's <laughs> Oklahoma. I like your dramatization. I think it adds a flair. And the rumors. Oh, the rumors. The first rumor to spread was that Danny had lost his nugget. No, Danny lost his shit. Okay. And the rumors spread like a tornado in the countryside. Because tornadoes hit Oklahoma. It is Oklahoma. That's true. People had started to spread a rumor that Danny lost his shit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Burned the house down with Kathy in it and absconded with the girls. At it, ele- reason, it's probably reasonable given the guy's temperament and mentality. Yeah. I mean, he did have a, a history of having it's a like, temper. It's like, oh, her, Danny, but, he's setting the place on fire again. I know, but that's not really a reason to blame somebody. I Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Shoe fits. At 11 a.m. that day, OSBI agent Steve Nutter arrived on the scene. OSBI took Steve over. Steve Nutter. Steve Nutter. <laughs> great Steve. name, isn't it? I think that's a great name. Nutter. There were mistakes made kind of, I'm right? not thinking like Nutter Butter. No. It's more like, uh, these nuts. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Anyway, there, there were mistakes pretty much right out of the gate. According to the Bibles, Lorraine shouted to the OSBI agents that they should look in the trunks of the cars. Could the... Could the girls be in there, right? Maybe they had hidden under a bed or under the trailer, but no furniture had been moved or turned. No agent had a single smudge of ash on their clothing. It was like they were kind of waiting around for answers to just like drop on them like pearls of wisdom. But what did... I think they were just being lazy. Yes. What did drop on them was Assistant District Attorney Clint Ward. He was overheard telling locals that, quote unquote, Danny owed a lot of money in a drug debt. The statement sure to fuel the already spreading rumors and hinder any real actual investigation. So this is a great case of completely botched police work. Uh, district attorney spreading rumors? Yes. And the investigators? Not investigating. Are so lazy? Yeah. They, ins- they inspected a fire and didn't even get dirty. Like, how lazy is that? That's freaking lazy. All right. So by 3.30... That's crazy lazy. It is. 
By 3.30, the uh, medical examiner, Donna Warren, came on the scene. She entered the burnt structure where the master bedroom was. She found the charred remains of a female. Part of the body had been preserved by the waterbed she was lying on. Wow. It became clear that, the o- that only one body was found, that of Kathy Freeman. The rumors. Agent Nutter wrapped up for the day telling Danny's stepbrother that someone had seen Danny driving near where he was raised with the girls. Which she'll find out is not possible. Dwayne, Danny's stepbrother, offered to go look for him. Agent Nutter responded by saying it's probably best to just let Danny cool off and that they would look for the girls the next day. Wow. And so it went. No attempt was made to find the girls. Local, so locals in the Bibles stayed behind and searched for the girls. No police help. No searching. No nothing. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. During that time, a tip came in saying that the tipster had seen Danny at a gas station in a white pickup with the girls. But the OSBI chose to wait until the next day to pursue that lead. Not that it really mattered. On December 31st, 1999, Jay and Lorene decided, after a harrowing day of not knowing what happened to their child and her friend, and police questioning a local and local rumor mills running amok, they were going to take things into their own hands. It's an Oklahoma way to do it. Yeah, hell yeah. They're like saddled up. They and did. Like rode a horse over there. That would be pretty badass, actually. But they drove to the burned out husk that was the Freeman's home. When they arrived, they noticed that all the crime scene tape was gone. Authorities had left the crime scene completely wide open. The Freeman's Rottweiler whined and groaned. Jay comforted the dog and moved into the burn structure, looking for any signs of possible bodies. I like how the dog's still there. I, well, like, why? What would, a shit show. I mean, it's a total shit it's show. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's like left. Did they leave the, I'm not kidding. Did they leave the body there too? You just wait. Okay. After a minute, Jay spotted something and called Lorene over. A second body. Jesus. Well-timed question there. A male's body. Since the fire had burned the clothing off, the genitalia were visible. So that's how they could tell it was a male. So like the dog was like eating the victim. Uh, or could uh, have been. Maybe, but he was pretty burned up, so probably mm. not. Dogs, Jay, eat, dogs eat a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, they do. Anyway. So Jay and Lorene also saw the wiring of Danny's nasal cavity from reconstructive surgery that he had. It was like sticking up because the flesh had been, you know, burned away. Yeah. Jay and Lorene also saw that there were cowboy foot boot prints on Danny's torso, which they attribute to Agent Nutter. So aid, the FBI agent, Nutter. The dude's walked, an FBI agent? Walked on top. Oh, I thought he was like a local investigator. No, I think he was the FBI agent. No. Yeah, he was the OSBI, sorry. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation agent. So yes, he was an, a state agent. Man. Yeah. Seems so, like he's like, maybe not. No. Why would he like... He walked on top of the dead body oh, and oh, didn't oh. notice it. Well, I thought he okay. Yeah, his boot, I thought he didn't have any ashes on him, so he was on the body. Well, he was he walked through the scene, but he had no other ashes on him. He just walked on it, oops, including on top of the oh, dead body. So he just walked over it and kept going. Yes, what an idiot. Yes, <laughs> not that not that I would know what it's like to step on a half burnt body. But he's a freaking. Yeah, he, he should probably know that if oh. he if he if it, that's what he does. Yes, that's his job. Mm. But they attributed to him the, the boot print to him because he was the only authority authority wearing cowboy boots at the scene that day. Laura's parents, completely distraught and terrified for their daughter, just discovered the body of law enforcement's prime suspect, Danny Freeman. Remember, people had said, oh, Danny just ran away with the girls. Clearly, he did not. Mm-hmm. Through autopsies, it would be discovered that Kathy was shot in the head from behind and Danny in the face. Oh, man, right to that wired nose. Yep. But this was not the last effort law enforcement would botch. 
Lorraine and Jay descended on you, the crime you scene. Th- this, this is a stellar like investigation God, team. They, they completely screwed this thing up. Like, like the mom and ugh. dad, oh, like yeah. like found more than the than the investigators did. Yes, Jeez. yes, yes. Well, they were probably sober because they're they're <laughs> yeah. Bibles. Their last name is the Bible. So, it is. so do you think the um, they were just all drunk? Oh, okay. That's what I was going to ask. What do you do in Oklahoma? I mean, do you drink or do you just all, does everyone there do meth? No, I don't think I'm not stereotyping everyone, just most people. Just, to just be clear. most people. No, I don't think most people do meth, but I'm well, sure there's whatever a fair they do, of, like around. Like, you know, like in Alaska, everyone, like, isn't like 60% of the population always drunk? I think, I think in Oklahoma, there's some, there's got to be some statistic like that. I'm, I'm sure there is. Well, whatever they do, they were doing. The FBI and law enforcement people, but the Bibles don't do that stuff because they're from the Bible. Well, right, and remember their yeah. daughter's missing, so they're yeah they so were super sober. Yeah, they were on it. They were they were kind of on the police like like they were possessed. So they investigated and they found stuff. So inexplicably, inexplicably, even after the discovery of Danny's body, law enforcement still did not issue missing persons reports or put the girls in the NCIC database for missing persons until Lorene, probably pounding her fists on the table, insisted on it, wasting precious time to have the girls, you know, found in any way, shape, or form. And what do they say? Like, is it, is it, there's like, and I'm not, I, I should know this statistic. Is it like, you have 24 hours to find somebody yeah. when they go missing, the and first, then yes. the odds, like, drastically decrease that you're going to find them. They do. That's very true. I don't so know what the actual numbers are. Yeah. But it's the 24 she, hours, or the first 24 hours are the most important. 24-hour rule, yeah. Yep. And so they just, they blew that out of the water. Yeah, they blew it, and because they could have had the media on it, they could have had other law, law enforcement on it, and they just didn't. They completely blew it. The nuts guy blew it. Yep. In the wreckage of the Freeman home, several guns were found and laid out in the yard. To this day... Not one of those guns were tested to see if one of them was the gun that killed Kathy and Danny. Wait, are we on failure number 37? Probably. That's that's crazy. Additionally, even though it was concluded that an accelerant had been used, local law enforcement never requested an arson investigation to be done. Mistake number 38. Additionally, Lorene found Laura's purse, money, and keys at the Freeman home, indicating that she likely did not leave of her own accord. Ugh, there's more. Another, so a potentially crucially, a crucial witness, a waitress called Winnie, who was up after a long night working at her, at the casino, spotted a car near her home and it stopped hard. Like it stopped really fast. Yeah. Well, Winnie was, yeah. This was pretty unusual. She actually hid in the bushes because she was like kind of scared that the car would see her. It was somebody bad. So she didn't want the car to see her. So she hid. She well, heard, I don't understand. She's, this is Oklahoma. There's nothing around. What is she? She's walking around and then jumps behind a bush. Well, she's. But being, there's a casino. I don't. She, what? What? Yeah, there's a casino, and she was being careful, like every woman. So should. she was walking home. I don't know if she was walking home or not. It doesn't say whether she was walking home, but she was. She had seen a car like stop hard near her house, and she got scared. Got it. Then she hid. Either way, she Good was work, outside. Yeah. yeah. So she hid. She heard a man get out of the car, and a girl scream, and the man yell. Then it was over, and the car pulled away. When she heard about the Freeman fire and deaths. And the missing girls, she and her father called the OSBI the day after the fire to report what she had seen. She was assured that someone would be out to take her statement, but that never happened. It would not be until 2016. They're a little late. How many years is that? Is that like 16 or 17 years? Yeah. 16 to 17 years later. And it was Lorene who discovered Winnie's statement, and then it was followed up on. So the OSBI was called by a potential witness. What's up with this OSBI? This branch, like, this is like one of these, and I don't know anything about it, but I feel like maybe it's not the best managed branch 
It might not be. I don't know. But well, given they this, really screwed this one up. They for weren't sure. too. In, they weren't. Maybe they're overworked. Okay, but they didn't seem interested it in this. Could one. be, but they weren't even interested at all in helping these people. And then the rumors, of course. One rumor was that Danny had a drug debt owed to a to the Mexican cartel. Mm-hmm. But while the cartel could would certainly kill over a drug debt, it was not in their general portfolio to kidnap and keep two young girls for that reason. Another theory was murder suicide, but that was largely ruled out because there was no gun found near either Kathy or Danny. It doesn't work like that. Not, no, not really. Another rumor was that the girls killed Ashley's parents and took off to live a life of luxury in the Riviera or someplace like that. They, have, they don't have any money. They don't have any money. They didn't have keys. They have a car. They had nothing with them. That didn't make much sense. <laughs> but since Laura's purse and money were found at the scene, that clearly that was ruled out. Another theory was that some random passerby stumbled upon the Freeman home and did the act. But that seemed impossible given how far back the trailer was set from the road and the noisy Rottweiler. But the most insidious rumor stemmed from a long feud that the Freemans had with the sheriff's office. The sheriff, an elected official, has the right to choose his law enforcement staff, and it doesn't matter if they're related or not. I love cronyism. I know. It doesn't matter if they have law enforcement experience, nothing. They can choose whomever they want. Nepotism is awesome. Yes. I don't have any relatives that hire me for anything, but... uh... Nope. You know, apparently the sheriff here, this, he's like the sheriff of Nottingham. He's right. like, he just he just runs it with an iron fist. Yeah, he's like, hey, bro, you're in. Yeah. So at the time, Vaughn was the sheriff. He had two brothers. <laughs> they were both, They were, let me guess. They were both deputies, and yeah. one was supervising the other. Under, so <laughs> Sweet. Imagine that family dynamic. Yeah, the whole family I there. told you to get the coffee. I know, right? No, no, no. It's your turn. Get the donuts. Yeah. It was David Hayes. A bunch of bumbling idiots. Totally. It was David Hayes and Mark Hayes. Mark supervised David. David, It's like the Three Stooges. It it really is. Oh, shit. It's like the Three Stooges. David Hayes was the man who shot and killed Ashley's brother. Remember, I told you about that, right? right? Danny and Lorraine's son while he was on duty. It is disputed between the family and law enforcement as to whether or not the shooting was justified, although officially the sheriff's office... The brother. Imagine that. Ruled the shooting as justified, right? Imagine that. The controversy comes into play because it was believed by many that that the Freemans had very little time left to file a wrongful death lawsuit against the county for the death of their 17-year-old son. But that's a story for another day, and maybe we'll cover that too. It is a doozy. Mm -hmm. As Lorene and Jay continue to spearhead the search for the girls, why are they spearheading the search for the girls? Because the three amigos or the three stooges are busy. Yeah. Anyway, they come upon a variety of information. One lead came from a meth dealer, Johnny Rose, who told a driver he was... Does he know Axel Rose? I doubt it. Okay. But, I mean, you know, anything's possible. Anyway, Johnny Rose told a driver he was working with that he'd seen the girls at a notorious New Year's Eve party at the Glover property. This party was said to have all types of criminals at it and that many of them participated in an alleged rape, torture, and murder of the girls. There it is. Yep, there it is. The OSBI states that they received a tip about the Paul Glover property and from a jailhouse informant. The Bible family believed it came from Johnny Rose, this Johnny Rose character. Either way, this New Year's Eve party kept coming up. Later, Rose would state that he saw the girls in the Glover home and that they weren't acting normal. He said that was the only time he saw them, and Rose also said that he saw a man called Nick Joseph with a backhoe on the Glover property and later saw him with a big wad of cash for doing the work, whatever that work was, with the backhoe. I'm pretty sure we know that. That seems like a pretty shady confession, though. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw this guy with a backhoe and a wad of cash, and 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 I saw the girls there. Yeah, well, it's pretty circumstantial at best. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. This is nuts, though. I mean, it's a crazy story. Yeah, it is a crazy story. Law enforcement did search the Glover property, and they came away with one piece of evidence. A 12-inch by 12-inch piece of carpet that was bloodstained. But nothing came out of this. No official results could be found. Because they probably didn't freaking test it. Then in 2004, serial killer Jeremy Jones confessed to the killings. Police focused their efforts in Galena, Kansas as a result. Jeremy Jones later recants his confession, and more time passes. I wonder why, why, if he was like coerced in confessing or he just felt like it. I think he just felt like it. He's a psychopath and, you know, serial hmm. killers will confess to lots of things even if they didn't do them because once they're caught and convicted, what do they care? They just toy with people because they're right. assholes. In 2016, the case gets a new face. Okay. Tammy Ferrari, OSBI agent, and Tammy's going to do a little bit of redemption here. Okay. And Gary Stansel, a a DA investigator, also saw the opening of the Find Laura Bible BBI. BBI stands for Bible Bureau of Investigation. I love that. Uh, And it's a Facebook page. This was how Winnie was actually found, the the woman who was the eyewitness. Uh, This was how a lot of other tips came in, including one that led to Chautauqua, Kansas, Charles Kreider. Good job. Tammy. Yeah. Ferrari. Tammy. And good she's revving jo- up. She's revving up that case. Good job, Bibles, on your BBI. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. So Charles... Keep beating that Bible. Heck yeah. Charles Kreider, an associate of Danny Freeman's, with whom he, li- he liked to grow and cross-pollinate marijuana. Who doesn't cross-pollinate with, that? I don't... Well, I don't. But Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Uh, they were contacted by writer Jax Miller while he was in prison for second-degree murder. Law enforcement had briefly briefly spoken with Kreider after the murders, but he was quickly swept aside as they felt he did not have enough information for a search warrant of his property in Chautauqua. But Jax Miller and Jolene were not going to give up that easily. They followed his letters to his property and called authorities. A search ensued, but nothing was found. However, the dig of the property stirred up so much talk and energy around the case that locals finally began to talk instead of like keeping quiet. Talk of a man named Phil Welch in association with Charles Kreider began to surface. Two additional names, Ronnie Busick and David Pennington, also surfaced, all related to Phil Welch. Locals believe that rather than in the well where the original dig had focused, the girls' bodies were under a concrete slab under the rubble of the basement where the house used to stand. Jax Miller and the Bibles take it upon themselves to go back and search the property again. What if they found anything? No, unfortunately they did not. But, seemingly kind of out of nowhere, in April of 2018, an arrest was made. Hmm. In Wichita, they arrested a man on drug charges, but were asserting a connection to the Freeman Bible case. A new sheriff in, was in town... Heath Winfrey. He, I wonder if Heath hired all, like, he hired Oprah. <laughs> Maybe. I like it. I don't know. <laughs> you win a car. You win a car, too. Because you work for me. I'm Heath Winfrey, not Oprah. I'm Heath. Heath. So, Sheriff Heath Winfrey. Yes. Apparent, well, thank God it wasn't Vaughn. Uh, the, the, yeah. Uh, the, three, uh, the three amigos, there, yeah. they're, they're gone. So apparently, um, Sheriff Winfrey happened upon a box loaded with information and notes from the crime 18 years earlier. So now we're 18 years out. Then uh, the press release, uh, there were three men that were identified. Ronnie Dean Busick, Warren Philip Welch II, and David Pennington. Welch died in 2007 and Pennington died in 2015. 
leaving Busick alone to answer for the crimes. So you see, back in the early days of the investigation, a private investigator, Tom Pryor, found an insurance card in the Freeman's driveway. Well, hell, the, the, the OSBI agent, wasn't, Nutter, wasn't going to find it. No, he sure wasn't. And, uh, yeah. So he did turn the card over to then-agent Nutter, thinking it could be some kind of, of some kind of possible importance. But Nutter refused to take the insurance verification card, giving it back to Pryor. You know, he had to go to like the county. You know what? I I figured it out. Nutter just had to go to the damn county fair (laughs) and eat like French fries. Yeah, maybe he wanted fried Oreos. He wanted some fried Nutter butters. Fried Nutter butters. Yep. Pryor held on to this key piece of evidence until 2017 when law enforcement finally took possession of the card. The name on the card was that of a girlfriend of Welch's. Hmm. Uh, Agent Nutter had referenced the insurance card in an FBI report, and that Agent Nutter had actually interviewed both that girlfriend, the girlfriend of Welch, we'll call her E.B., and a different girlfriend, T.W., because that's I couldn't find their actual names. T.W. told Agent Nutter... Did you just make these initials up? No, no, no. I got them from a source. Gotcha. Yeah. So T.W. told Agent Nutter that she was living with Welch in the months after the fire and that, quote... Pennington and Busick set fire to the home. She, this is, uh She also references a reward poster that Loreen Bible had put together saying that Welch had it nailed to the wall and that it looked just like the Polaroids that she'd seen of the two girls who were tied and gagged. Agent Nutter also followed up with EB, who said she had no idea how her card got to the Freeman's house. She had no knowledge of the Freeman's other than that Welch had known Danny, but that was the end of it. No additional follow-up was conducted. So I'm going to repeat this. Agent Nutter interviewed Welch's girlfriend, T.W., who said that he, she saw a poster that looked just like the Polaroids of the girls that she had seen that he had showed her. And Nutter did nothing. Yeah, he didn't seem to want to work too hard. Or no, he's he missing know. something. Maybe something's wrong with the guy. No. It's like, has Alzheimer's or something? He's really I old? Is he really old? No. He's just really that bad. Yeah. Private investigator. I wonder how many other cases like he slipped up. through that dude's hands. Probably a lot. Yeah. Private investigator Pryor had even tracked down EB and found the vehicle that Welsh had used to drive to the Freemans. He reported it to law enforcement, asking them to process the vehicle for evidence. Guess what they didn't do? They didn't do that. They sure did not. Another witness who was interviewed. Will really, call- like when you say shit show, like this oh. whole thing. What a shit show. Bad. It's so bad. Yeah. So another witness who was interviewed, we'll call him R.E., told Nutter and OSBI that Phil Welch had made him look at these terrible Polaroid pictures of these two girls. He, too, was completely dismissed. Where do these Polaroids go? Did they ever find them? I'm not, I don't think they ever found them. The, so years later, in 2017, that same man, R.E., appeared at the, Ottawa, at the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office at the end of the business day. He told Jeremy Floyd that he knew it was Phil Welch that killed the girls. He said his mother was dating David Pennington at the time of the incident, and Welch made the boy come over to look at the pictures. So he was a boy at the time. He said that Welch and Pennington were downright giddy over what they'd done, and they told him they'd raped and strangled the girls, but they only killed them after being toyed with for several days after their abduction. This guy's mom was, was dating this guy. Yes. Yes, I'm telling you, these freaking criminals always get these women to want to date them. I don't understand it. I'm not, I just don't understand it. In fact, in 2016, law enforcement spoke to R.E.'s mother, the one that dated Pennington, 
She told him that Pennington had often told her that he and Welch killed those girls and that she'd be next if she ever said anything. So she was bullied into being quiet. There it is. She True they, love. Oh my gosh. Damn. She told the new investigators that Pennington told her it was a drug deal gone bad, that the girls had walked in on Pennington and probably Danny Freeman dealing drugs. She said that all three men were responsible for the rape, torture, and killing of the girls. She passed away not too long after that interview. There were other witnesses who were either ignored or just straight up dismissed, as we saw over and over again. Feels like there's a lot of missed leads on this thing. It was bad. Mm. All of the bungled happenings of law enforcement in this case were released in an affidavit in 2018. It's so sad. Anyway, as it turns out, Phil Welsh was the ringleader, a man who fancied himself a preacher. Amen, a brother. Preacher. And, and in his opinion, almost divine. Pennington and Busick were his two most trusted followers, I guess. Everyone in Chautauqua was terrified of Welch. People would describe him as a pure evil. He did and dealt drugs, including cooking meth. He would often refer to Laura and Ashley as those little bitches. Because that's so fucking original. In 2020, so just two years ago, Busick was convicted. He got 15 years, but five are suspended, as long as he assists the investigators in trying to find the girl's remains. Since then, he's opened up about how he saw things go down. He said the Freemans were killed over two ounces of methamphetamine. He said the two girls were hiding in a field near the house. When Pennington and Welsh set the house ablaze, the girls stood up, and the three men were able to find and capture them. Busick said the girls were tied up and gagged and that Welch shot them up with meth before killing them. So let's get them high so we give them a good send-off. What a dick. He said he does not know where Welch took the bodies, but several witnesses claim that they are in a well or shaft with water. To date, their bodies have never been found. Lorene Bible is very ill at this point, and all she wants to, is to see her, her daughter's remains returned home before she passes away. Anyway, so that is the very tragic story of the murders of, of of these girls and it's awful yeah and it seems like this welsh guy kind of he's now sort of no it's not welsh yeah he and welsh brunswick so, busick busick phil welsh was the ringleader yeah it seems like this busick guy is giving a little information but he's holding back How, well he I, might don't, be. I don't understand how he only gets 10 years it's like he's in like russia <laughs> right, you know, like uh, ten years, like that other crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, he's ten years. Uh, he's fifteen, but if you kind of sort of work with us, we'll give you ten. Like, what? What the hell? Well, I think the key at this point was they knew that Phil Welsh was the main guy, and he's dead. And they their big thing is let's give these families closure and find these girls' bodies. And so I think they felt that they could cut him a deal to help give the families closure. And you know, typically when prosecutors work deals with like this, they do it with the victim's family's consent. And so I have to imagine that as involved as Lorene has been in in the I mean, she's the reason they got this far, that she gave her consent to have that be the case. And just thinking about this, I find it interesting that uh, you know, they were looking at a well at this property that the, the, the law enforcement because of this Ferrari lady. And then here, after all that happened, the guy's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're like in a well somewhere. Well, right. So how, I mean, Maybe is he being honest about it? I mean, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't think this I find guy that has, interesting. A, I don't think this guy has a clue where it the is, bodies are buried. Probably not. I really don't. Maybe you'd find that guy with a wad of cash working the backhoe. There you go. That's it. There it is. That is. I, but I will say this: I wish everybody had a mom 
like Lorraine Bible. Yeah, this Bible lady, she's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her a little respect there. And also say like, you know, Oklahoma, there's a lot of weird shit going on out there. Well, I hope they looked into this and maybe did some improvements in their process and didn't, you know, ignore people when they brought forth evidence. Stay away from meth, trailers, and tornadoes, everybody. Yeah, and have a mom like Lorraine. That wraps it up for Coward's Fury, Episode 9. We'll see you next time. Bye.